The book is called The Life You Imagine. The Life You Imagine. And the player is Mr. Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was that dude. Derek Jeter loved baseball. I mean, he loved baseball from the third or fourth grade. You know, I mean, he loved baseball to where that's all he did was just practice baseball. I mean, baseball was very, very good to him. I mean, that's that was his thing. And so I want to read something that hopefully you can relate to this because it's not something typical that we talk about. Well, the way that he's saying it is not. But let's see if you can pick this up. All right, let's go. Now, walk to the bookshelf, and I had uh, somebody pick out a book for me. I said, give me the, give me two letters from the alphabets. And the person said D or L, or D and L. So I walked to the bookshelf, and <laughs> I'm looking and looking and looking, and I don't see anything that's starting with a D or L. Like, man, should I change that or should I just keep looking? And I kept looking and kept looking. And then I saw something. I said, whoa, I read this book maybe 10 years ago. And I'm thinking, how can I use this book? Or how can I have this apply something to what we do? And I tell you, it is a little challenging. Uh, it really is. But I found something. And let's see if we can make this relate. Uh, first of all, the book is by one of the greatest baseball players that ever played the game. Let's see if somebody can guesstimate. I mean, not, not guesstimate, but guess who I'm talking about. I'm going to say the one of the best all-around individuals that played baseball at his particular position. And, you know, some of y'all are not baseball fans. Probably not a lot of you are. All right. So I got a, I got a guess here. Somebody uh, is saying Pete Rose. Nope, not Pete, but I, I like old Petey Rose. Me and my wife actually met him, what, eight, nine years ago uh, in Vegas. I think he's still there, too. There's a sporting goods store inside of, uh, uh, which one is it? The, um, which casino is it? Uh, MGM. MGM. And Pete Rose is in there all the time, and he signs his books and stuff. P.T. Rose. <laughs> Baseball been belly, belly good to me. <laughs> Baseball been good to my family. No. <laughs> said football, I don't know. Baseball, I know. P.T. Rose. I know some of y'all listening saying, what are you talking about? Well, that's to be a skit on Saturday Night Live with Garrett Morris. And he's talking about baseball been belly, belly good to me. Uh, good to P.T. Rose. <laughs> Somebody had to remember that skit. But the answer is, first of all, it's not Pete Rose. 
and it's not uh who else who else gave me an answer here billy said uh who you said bill i saw that reggie jackson that's a good player too what well, was a good player too cal ripkin also hank aaron also but this is one of the best players man that ever played the game give me another guess Babe Ruth, boy, you're going all the way back. Somebody, somebody got to give me the answer right quick. And he has so much stuff in his book. Here we go, Reggie Jackson again. Big Poppy. Okay. And all these answers are correct. It could be any of these guys. David Justice. That's my dude. Nope. But here's the answer, folks. The book is called The Life You Imagine. The Life You Imagine. And the player is Mr. Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was that dude. Derek Jeter loved baseball. I mean, he loved baseball from the third or fourth grade. You know, I mean, he loved baseball to where that's all he did was just practice baseball. I mean, baseball was very, very good to him. I mean, that's that was his thing. And so I want to read something that hopefully you can relate to this because it's not something typical that we talk about. Well, the way that he's saying it is not. But let's see if you can pick this up. Thought process I'm going with. And it's, it's two or three, you know, it's two or three pages, but I'm trying to find the one. All right, I'm going to go with this. He says, I love calling Zim, and that's Don Zimmerman. I don't know. I mean, when I say these things, y'all might, you might you, these people you might not know, but just bear with me on this. Love talking to Zim because he's been in the game for 52 years. He's seen every situation and every scenario in baseball. There isn't anything that has happened that he hasn't seen. You can learn so much by just listening to him. He won't really coach me the way Willie Rudolph, I'm sorry, Willie Randolph coached me. But Zim would tell me things about different situations. Why I should have cheated toward the left on a certain hitter or tried to steal a base in a certain game. I love listening because there is no equal in over half a century of experience, which includes managing four major league teams. Zim is a playful guy. I think you have to have that attitude to do the same thing for so long. See, when you're doing something for so long, you have to have that like playful attitude because, you know, you can get tired and bored with it. But he says, our relationship really started my rookie year when he would hit me ground balls before games. He'll hit them as hard as he could to the left and as hard as he could to the right. He would laugh at me if I missed them and they scouted into the outfield. I'm, I'm sorry, and scooted into the outfield. He would continue challenging me like a hockey player, challenging a goalie with slap shots. We'll laugh and it was fun, but it was also important to work. It was also important to work. There's that mix of fun and seriousness that I was talking about that's so important when you're choosing your friends. When we were playing on AstroTurf, I'll get Zim back by purposely throwing the ball so it would bounce several feet in front of him and off the turf and then almost sail over his head. Now, Zim's 
got bad knees, so he would have to jump for it. He'll grumble at me, and if it went over his head or he couldn't jump high enough to retrieve it, then he'll reach into his back pocket to pull out another ball and take his frustration out on me. You have to have another, you have to have that kind of demeanor mixing work and fun. You have to have, you have to enjoy what you're doing or it won't last in any job. This is applicable for more than just baseball. You have to go to work each day knowing that you're going to work hard, but also knowing you're going to enjoy yourself. That way you'll you'll look forward to working instead of dreading it. Too many people have their jobs that make the that makes the work a lot harder to do and almost impossible to enjoy. Although I tease him a lot, I also listen very carefully to his advice. And he was instrumental, for example, in helping me increase my range uh, of balls uh, hit to the left or at the middle. I had a tendency to get close to grounders and then lunge for them with both hands instead of just reaching down of my glove. All right, so I want to stop there for a minute and then I'm going to come back and read more. But if you read the book, throughout the book, Jeter has stories after stories of people that he listened to and that he followed. And he made up in his mind that anytime he can find somebody who has been doing what he's doing and done and has done it well for years, he made it he made it part of his whole game to find that person and to talk to that person and build a relationship. Without the book, it talks about that Jeter, he loved the game so much that he also was just studying the game all the time. And doing. I, I was saying this to, to you all the other day. I think I was saying it to you all. I was talking to somebody when I said that we have to take whatever we do and learn to love it. Uh, and so that means that we're going to do it all the time. So that's how we're going to get better with it. I don't know if I told you or was it somebody else I was talking to about that. But yeah, I mean, so throughout the book, he made it his point to find people with experience and to, you know, become friends with them so he could learn from them. You know, he would take down all the, everything that uh, they would say he would have had a pen and paper and he write it because again, the love of the game for him was so important which would be the point that I'm talking about with what we do. Whatever you do, you have to figure out a way to, well, two things that I want to talk about is you work your business. You work your business as if you love it. No, how can I say it? That's not how I'm trying to say it. You have to learn to love it. Because the way that you grow is to do it over and over and over and over and over and over. Now, you also take advice and listen to people who have done it. Like he made sure that he would find people all the time and become friends with them because what he wanted was more knowledge. See, he knew that he could practice hard. He knew that he could play hard. He knew that he could you know, outwork anybody because when he wasn't uh, on the field, his mind was there or he was somewhere playing somewhere growing up as a kid. He always did it. So that part there was 
That was a guarantee. But what he didn't have, and he talked about that, was the knowledge. And he knew that the guys who had played in front of him had tons of knowledge. And he knew that if he got that part with his work ethic, he'd be hard to beat. He was so, if you looked at Derek Jeter, he was so genuine and so, I mean, he really didn't even want the, the limelight. He, you know why he got it? Because he was in New York and he played with the Yankees and he was good. So you're going to get all that attention. But what he was saying is that, is that people really didn't know. It's kind of like I talked about Deion Sanders and, and a lot of the players. You just don't know the time that they're putting in behind the scenes, the things that they was doing, finding out about some of the top players that would be coming around trying to get to sit down with them and talk about all this stuff so they can, so he can learn and implement it. He takes stuff. I remember one of the guys told me and he said, he said, Tony, I already peeped your game. This was years back. And I said, what you mean? He said, I already see it. He said, you sit down and you listen and you take stuff from people and then you turn around and beat them with their own stuff because you actually apply and do the things that they say that they should be doing or not doing. He said, and they don't even know that you're beating them with that information. You got to understand that some people just talk about it. And that's why he wanted the more experienced individuals to take that. So what I want you to get from this, and I'm going to read a little bit more, is that you know, you even hear that now with uh, if you follow people that's in the music industry, you hear now like some of the, the guys now that's in the hip hop industry is like they don't even talk to some of the older guys. They don't even talk to find out what mistakes they made or what they've done. It's like they say, oh, y'all old, y'all old and y'all don't know what's going on. Jeter said, y'all old. And I know you know what's going on because you did it for so long. That's the difference. And that's why a lot of people who are successful, they, if they uh, meet someone or know someone that has a bunch of knowledge, the first thing they try to do is get it. But on the other end now, <laughs> in, in particular, that, that particular genre, uh, I mean, or that particular uh, industry, you got young guys who don't realize it. And they, you know, it's the saying, if you don't remember, um, what is it? You remember where you came from? Or you don't remember how, yeah, I'm not about to mess that quote up. Uh, but <laughs> you just got, you have to be able to put, put down a person's, you have to put, put down the ego and learn from that individual. Let me see if he talks a little bit more about that um, throughout the book. So he says, it makes perfect sense to reach out with one hand because I gained a, a, about a foot and a half with my reach. So he was, Zimmer was giving him something to try. He said, go ahead and try it. Stand up and reach the ground on your left side with both hands cupped together. You're constricted and you can only reach so far, probably barely touching the ground, barely touching the ground. But if you just reach with your left hand, you have a lot more flexibility and should reach the ground and beyond. That's a major difference if you're trying to cut a ball off 
with a runner on second base and in a tie game. You'll probably come across someone like Zim in your life, whether it's your boss, whether it's your grandfather, whether it's the elderly person living next door to you. Don't miss their advice. Whether it's the guy that gets up on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday that gets on this call and talks and gives that experience that he has. The guy's 49 years old now, and he has tons of knowledge and experience. And if you could get that for free, $3.99 is a good price. You get that for free if you sit up and take notes. And then those situations will start, well, they're going to happen in your life because it happens to everybody. But you're going to remember, I took these notes, uh, I listened, and I was ready to imply this information. It was almost like, bring it on. I got it now. But as it says here, you'll probably come across someone like Zim in your life, whether it's your boss, your grandfather, or elderly person living next door. Don't miss their advice. Don't miss their advice. Embrace it. Embrace it. He said, I learned so much by being around Zim. I hope I can give that type of advice to young players someday. But I'm sorry, Zim. I hope I got a lot more hair <laughs> when I'm doing it at your age. <laughs> he said, there's always going to be people who are willing to tell you what you're good at. You probably don't need to hear from them because most of us know what we're good at. But at the important thing is to find out the areas of life which you can improve. Find people who will let you know when the project you turned, you turned in was inferior. When somebody, see, that's another thing. There's a difference in somebody telling you that what you did was a poor job or that you're not really serious. There's a lot of people, I know one particular person, but there's a lot of people always say, well, that's kind of negative. No, it's not. That's somebody who can be helping you. If you know that person's experience, you know that person has the knowledge, you ought to see I'm, I'm over here talking with my hands. You know, you talk with your hands. Like, <laughs> if you know that and you're fortunate enough to be around it, take the information and apply it. He said, find people who will let you know when the project you turned in was inferior. The people who will tell you that you, didn't, you did a poor job and whatever, cutting the grass, whatever you do, and people who will tell you that you're not saving enough money you earn. Sometimes it's your parents, your brother, sister. Sometimes it's a close friend. Those are the people who help you improve. Those are the people you should listen to. You should listen to the person that tells you what most people won't tell you. Did you catch that? You should listen to the person that will tell you what most people won't tell you because most people just want to do this get-along thing. They don't want to, like a mentor or a coach or something, their goal is to help you, is not to, to be friends with you. Now, being friends is a good thing, but the, a lot of times being friends, because the closer you get, you lose respect for the person. And in business, you need more respect than you need to have a friendship or something like that. You need to have respect for a person because that's when you're going to really listen. That's when you're going to really do it and try to apply the information. So throughout the book was he was he just found whoever who had knowledge 
that had been doing it for a while, and he took that knowledge and used it. Like the guy used to tell me, he's like, Tony used to take these folks' knowledge and then use it against them because you applied it and they didn't. I saw, he said, I saw you just going to apply stuff and do it, and they didn't. The moral of the story today is do things that you committed to, do things that you learned from somebody with years of experience that said it worked. You know, not to throw off the, you know, our system or whatever, but you have to do those things. You don't just listen <laughs> and take notes and don't do it. You must do it and 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 do it. I can promise you, if you talk to any successful athlete, any successful entertainer, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear that they did the things that they learned from other people. They didn't just talk to them and say, no, no, no. They did it. And they searched all the time to find that kind of information. They did it. They say, you've done this. How do you do it? How did you do it? And I'm going to do it that way. Man. Now, that was, it seems oversimplified. <laughs> now, see, preacher man, I'm going to read this, but I got a feeling it sounds. Good, good point. Good point. And I've talked about this before, too. Now, some things you some people you talk to and listen, you listen for their mentality. A lot of times you can't listen for the skill level they have. You can't. All right. So preacher man says Tiger should have been like Jeter. What <laughs> and got married after golf, but he would have still been number one. And never would have run into the the mail. <laughs> <And> preach my <laughs> He would have never run into the mailbox like he did. But I've said this before. Deion Sanders is not a good example because he was a freak of nature. Remember, I used to tell the story that the coach said, okay, y'all can watch Deion out there, but I can promise you never try to do that stuff. Because you don't have the skill level he has. You don't have the, the speed that he has to break on it. You can listen to him because when you listen to him, Dion is giving you the mindset that he has, the, the thought process that he has. But trying to copy something, you know, you can't copy a freak of nature. I put it that way. You can listen and you can listen to the mentality of it. That's why a lot of people think they can do what another person does just by getting that. Like, hey, Tony, give me that script that will help, you know, that would, you know, have me close. Give me that script. Okay. You get the script, but you don't say it the same way somebody, the, the person that's winning said. You don't do it the same way. And remember, it's, you got to have the whole thing. You can't just kind of play around with it if you understand what I'm saying. So, Preacher Man says, Roy Jones didn't get knocked out until he fired 
his father, and as his manager, his father told him, fighting in different weight classes will slow him down. I'm going to tell you this. I think Roy Jones got knocked out. I think we talked about this one time before because he started doing things outside of what he was doing, like outside of being a boxer. Roy started doing a lot of commercials. Roy started being in, I remember him in a lot of Michael Vick. Uh, I mean, him and Michael Vick would be in a lot of rappers videos. And they start getting on the set with the rappers and they start. And I remember I seeing Roy Jones in a, a hip hop video and I was thinking, we got a fight coming up. And <laughs> it came up and I always said, I don't want to say, I'll just put it this way. He got knocked the F out. I've never seen somebody that fought, that fell on that mat and literally laid there still like, you know, like he went, like he was gone. I mean, he didn't, he, go to YouTube. And I'm trying to think of that fight. If you go to YouTube and put Roy Jones' hardest knockout, not the one he gave, but the one he received. <laughs> he got off track. Start doing everything, doing a lot of stuff. And whoever he was fighting, whoever he was, I don't know if y'all remember who, who he was fighting. And it's worth even watching it because the way he got hit and knocked out, I was literally scared for the man. Tauber, yeah. <laughs> I was a little scared for him because it, it was, it didn't even, it looked like, he looked like he was dead. He really did. But the point is, he got sidetracked. He got defocused. He started doing other things that shouldn't have been participating with. But he just, he got off track. And boy, did he get hit. I mean, <laughs> boy, did he get hit. Push it to the limit.